giving and receiving. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Um, maybe if I just said we're going to continue our study on receiving, you know, because that gets people stirred up. But the giving part tends to make some folks um, nervous. Remember what we see in the scriptures, that God honors those who honor him. And there's no greater honor than trust. And we've said this is an overarching principle that's directly connected to everything in our lives and, and certainly when it comes to giving and receiving. In Psalm 103, verse 7, just some quick review of some key principles. The Bible says he made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. And if you look at that story more closely, you see that God wanted the children of Israel to understand his ways also, but they refused. And they basically said, look, Moses, you talk to God, and if there's anything that we need to know, you pass it along to us, but tell him not to talk straight directly to us any longer. And so God wants to reveal his ways to you. You were created in his image and in his likeness. You were created to look like he looks and to function the way he functions. And if we're going to function the way God functions, we've got to understand, know, and apply by faith to our lives the ways of God. Because a lot of people on planet Earth today only know the acts of God or what they assume to be the acts of God. Anything people don't understand, they just say it's an act of God. Well, that's just ignorance, okay? Um, and, and insurance companies, right? That's why it was an act of God. No, no, it wasn't an act of God. But anyway, I don't guess you have room for curse language uh, on your, um, um, you know, disclosure statements. But it's, it's part of the curse that's on this planet. Amen. But a lot of people who don't understand the ways of God, they just try to interpret and figure out things about God based upon what they consider to be an act of God. Maybe it is an act of God, maybe it's not. But God wants you to know um, His ways. Because if you understand the ways of God, He'll establish in your life what I call solid and identifiable cause and effect. And this idea that you never know what God's going to do is a lie from the devil. He's told you right here in His Word what He's going to do, how He does it, and invites you into doing it with Him as well. Now, again, um, my commitment to you, Philippians 4.17, is that anytime I teach on these things, it's not that I seek the gift, or I seek the gift even for the church, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. It's not, let me give you this in a couple of other translations, Philippians 4.17, from God's Word translation. It's not that I'm looking for a gift, the opposite is true, I'm looking for your resources to increase. And then from the Amplified, not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. And if you notice in each of these uh, different translations of this one passage, he's talking about fruit or harvest, and the increase, of course, comes from, from harvest, uh, not from selling. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. Now, my heart is full, and, you know, if you want to, like look for a, an extensive subject in the scriptures to teach on. Money certainly one of them. Contrary to what a lot of people say and think, the Bible has a whole lot to say about money. And, and that's important because money is, is important to our lives. It's not the end-all, be-all that a lot of people have made it out or, or think that it is. But money is, is important. We talked last week a little bit about why it is. But in an economic world, money, among other things, is influence. And, and the only, uh, you know, side of this that wins if the church is broke and poor is, is the side of darkness, the devil. Because it takes money to preach the gospel. This is why God said it all the way back in the Old Testament, I'm giving you the ability to get wealth so that my covenant can be established in all the earth. So there's purpose for the prosperity. But prosperity is your birthright as a child of God. And I, I'm going to say that early and often in this current s series um, when Jesus paid for your redemption, it includes every aspect of your life. So, for example, he became sin who knew no sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How about this one? He became poor so that you could become rich. This idea that Jesus lived as a pauper on this earth, you know, hand-to-mouth, homeless man wandering around, uh, it's a lie. The scriptures do not support this. Jesus um, was given uh, multiple lifetimes of wealth at his birth from the Magi, from the kings who came to worship him and offer gifts to him. And, and we see that he lived in a home, uh, a nice home. Some people believe that they found the, the foundation of, of that home. 
uh, archaeologists. So this idea that, that Jesus was a, was a pauper and that if you're going to follow him, you need to be a pauper, that's ridiculous. That's not what the Bible teaches. A lot of people believe that's what the Bible teaches because there's a lot of error um, associated with this uh, teaching in, in the scriptures. And there's a lot of uh, miss, uh, what's the right word? And there's a, there's a, there, there are people who have ulterior motives when they teach these things. Um, and please know that uh, there is a difference between God wanting you to be rich and someone mishandling the scriptures from the pulpit and presenting it to you as a get-rich-quick scheme or something like that. That's, do you understand the difference here? I, this is not late-night infomercials where you, know, you, you send in three payments of $39.99 and we'll, we'll send you back DVDs on how to unlock the, the secret of, of life. That's not, what, that's not what we're talking about here. But what we are talking about, though, and I'm not, I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth, is that Jesus paid the ultimate price for your salvation. And in that big old uh, box truck, uh, 18-wheeler with salvation on the side of it that he backed up to the door of your heart when you invited him in there, uh, it includes uh, financial prosperity and abundance. Literal, physical, measurable, tangible, verifiable wealth. And so the one who was rich, in, in, do you realize that Jesus was given offerings, uh, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but there was one woman who poured out a lavish gift on Jesus. Um, some, you know, there's different estimates of exactly what it was worth, but, but many years of, 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 of salaries worth, uh, and just poured it on his feet. And boy, everybody in the room, even his disciples, some of the closest people to him were just infuriated by that. And Jesus said, leave her alone. What she has done is a good thing. Now, way ahead of myself. But see, people who saw that as her doing something wrong were looking at it from a buying and selling mindset. We'll talk about this. Just stay with me. They were looking at it from a buying and selling mindset. As a matter of fact, Judas said, this should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And everyone else looked at it as the the cost, because you can't, you can't separate the concept of cost from a buying and selling mindset. And, and they looked at it as, as to what it cost and what it was worth. And, and, and then they start this whole thing of even Jesus himself was not worthy of something that was worth that much. And Jesus said, you leave her alone. She's done something good. You'll always have the poor to do something for this is Jesus talking now, okay? Now, that tells me a few things, but one of the things that it tells me is that Jesus was not a stranger to fine things. If, if there was ever an opportunity in Scripture, if there was ever an opportunity for Jesus to set the record straight that nice things don't belong in the kingdom and shouldn't be given to God, it, 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 Jesus just said, Ho, 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 woman, what, what, what are you doing? Uh-uh. No, no, he, he's bringing on. And then how about this one? I, and we could go on and on with this. I'm not here to teach on this part this morning. But, but they, remember why, do anybody remember why they wouldn't tear Jesus' tunic and, and divide it at, at the... It was because it was a garment without a seam. We're talking about custom tailoring here. We're talking about some of the finest clothing in existence. They were gambling for it. This... this so this idea that Jesus was a pauper is ridiculous. Again, it's, it's something that Satan has tried. It's a lie from, from the devil that he's tried to push off on the church and that, and that the, the more broke you are and the more beat down you are and the more busted you are and the more broke you are, the more holy you are. No, he became. See, you can't become poor unless you start out rich. He started out rich, but he deliberately became poor not just so that he could prove to the world how humble he was by being... No, he became poor for a purpose. He became poor so that you and I could become rich in the same way that he became sin so that you could become righteous, in the same way that he became separated from God so that you could become joined to him, in the same way that, that, that he uh, went to the grave so that you could be free from the grave. He took death so you could be free from the sting of death. 
He became a curse so that you could have the blessing of Abraham upon you as a non-biological descendant of Abraham. And, and, and so the blessing of Abraham includes financial wealth and prosperity. Anyone who tries to tell you that the blessing of Abraham does not include being financially wealthy is, is lying. They haven't read the Scriptures. They do err not knowing the Scriptures or the power of God. And if you remember what Abraham said back in the day when this world system tried to give him uh, a shortcut to the wealth that God had promised him, when he took men trained in his own home and went over through Bacon Cheddarly Omar, as I like to call him, King Cheddarly Omar, had, had come. And remember, he'd taken Lot captive and a bunch of folks. In those days, it was a cutthroat world. If you could kill a man and take what was his, he just made you all the wealthier. And Abraham said, no, that's not going to happen here. That's not going to fly with me. And so he goes and takes on a league of nations and defeats them. And, and so they try to work out this deal with him. And they said, look, we, you know, let us keep the slaves and we'll give you the goods. And Abraham looked at him. He says, are you kidding? He said, I won't take anything but, but what my men need to eat. He said, because no one will ever be able to look back one day and say, I made Abraham rich. It'll, it'll be God or it'll, it'll either God will make me rich or I won't be. But no man will be able to say they did it. And see, this is, this is what God wants to do. This is the blessing of Abraham. Where the world says, my goodness gracious, Wally, how are you so rich? How, how, how did you get so much? God. The ways of God. The ways of God are making me rich. Come on now, the ways of God are making me rich. Now, I don't plan to begin every message in this series with a warning about being offended. But if that's what the Lord leads me to do, we'll do it, okay? And as we've already pointed out, people are easily offended by the biblical teachings of giving and receiving. I'm not talking about opinions of men or loose interpretations of scriptures that are being stretched to fit. I'm talking about, thus saith the word of the living God concerning these things. And yet people are offended by it. And the Lord has cautioned me, uh, or, or I say cautioned me, he's, he has instructed me to warn you, and anyone listening online or who would listen to this 20 years from now, do not be offended by this. Because remember, uh, offense and honor can exist in the same heart. And all the ways of God are designed to teach you to trust Him, and all the ways of God are the ways of honor. And so the devil is trying to exclude you and me from benefiting from all of these principles and the ways of God as it pertains to financial prosperity. The devil is trying to exempt you and me, try to get us excluded from this, by our being offended by it. Now, the Lord prompted me to spend a little more time here. And I'm so excited. I mean, the Bible has so much to say about these things. And I, I have got um, so many verses uh, locked and loaded, so to speak, in, in my notes. Some of my favorites, but we'll, we'll get to, to that. I, I want to just dive right into all those, okay? But let's deal with this potential offense and being potentially offended over this. Because the Lord kind of began to, to, to direct my thoughts towards... Let's figure out why people are offended by this. And so, here we go, okay? First of all, we are easily offended where we are overly sensitive. So, by virtue of the fact that you would be offended by any discussion on giving and receiving ought to tell you something that you need to pay attention to. Because, now you, because we, just, we just wandered across something that's very sensitive. I use the example of being delivered from chewing my fingernails, but you know, you you can chew on the dead part for days, but the minute you get to the part that's still alive, now you've just offended yourself. You got to the part that's sensitive. Okay, so if you're easily off offended by the talk of giving and receiving, it's a sure sign that you're overly sensitive where these subjects are concerned. And so a lot of times, you know, just here's some quick questions. Do you feel your guard going up? Are you already forming defensive arguments in your head? Quit it. Stop all that. 
it's, it's amazing to me um, how many people I have encountered over the years who it's like they've made it their life's mission to prove from the Bible that tithing is not for today. And we don't have to do it. It's Old Testament, Pastor Mark. It's a, n- notice, all that, all that is is a defensive argument in your head. It's, 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 it's a guard going up. You're trying to figure out a way to use Scripture to exempt yourself from one of the greatest financial opportunities God has ever presented to humankind. But see, again, remember, God commanded the widow to care for Elijah. And she was not offended by it, but she saw it as an opportunity, not an offense. Now, you know, the attitude, I think, as well that goes along with this is what I do with, notice all caps, what I do with my money is personal. It's my business and none of yours. Well, again, the wall's going up. We're getting our guard up. We get ready to defend. You know, if he takes up an offering in this, I ain't giving anything. Now, see, again, just quit that. We're not taking up an offering at the end of the day. We're already taking up the offering. Okay? But let me tell you what we need to do. We need to make our money God's business. You need him in every area and aspect of your life. You need God in your marriage. You need God on your job. You need God in raising your children. And you need God in your money. And I don't mean to be all, I need to settle down here, okay? Speak the truth in love. But according to the scriptures, you're a fool if you leave him out of it. You're a fool if you leave him out of it. Okay. And he'll let you leave him out of it. I mean, he's not going to force his way into any area of your life. But we need to make our money God's business. Now, why do we have these feelings of anxiety and defensiveness about money? Just working through some of these things. You, you working through them with me? Why? why? I, you know, I, I, really, I don't know of, um, maybe, if I, maybe if I preach on the subject of our eternal salvation, eternal redemption, what the Bible teaches about that, that that's stirred some folks up over the years and and of course righteousness stirs some folks up over the years the words of your mouth and the power of words that's when i say stirred people up i mean like in a negative way like you know come back at me um leave the church even um you know ye are gods that one obviously is is pretty sensitive you know you hit some some religiously traditional held beliefs on that one but just consistently over the years more than speaking in unknown tongues, more than eternal redemption, more than any other thing that I've taught, this one stands above, head and shoulders above, all the other things that people have been offended about. Why is that? Why is that? We need to know this. We need to understand this, okay? And here's the simple answer, and we'll drill down into it, but here's the simple answer. Money has a way of measuring things about us we don't like having measured. Money has a way of measuring things about us that we don't want measured. We would rather just keep believing things are one way and not pay attention to what the financial measures and, and, and data and statistics of our lives actually say. Let me give you an example. Few things reveal our true priorities more than the way we handle our money. <laughs> All right, now you still with me? Let me shoot you some love. Let me shoot everybody some love, okay? Let's go back to it. So why? What's the deal about this? Why do we get so anxious about this? Why do we get so defensive about this? Because money measures things we don't like having measured. Few things reveal our true priorities more than the way we handle our money. Money exposes the discrepancies between what we say is important to us and what is really important to us. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, right? Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it gets a little stronger than this, okay? Because another thing is how we manage our money says a lot about our discipline or lack of it. Right? There's other things in our lives that give us a true measure of that. 
How we manage our money, and I think this is one of the biggest ones, how we manage our money says a lot about our trust in God or lack of it. I mean, it's real easy, and we've even printed on the back of our money, in God we trust. But how we manage our money really, I think, is, is one of the most accurate measures of whether or not we, we truly trust Him or we don't. You see, money exposes the discrepancies between what we say about who we trust and what our trust is really in. People get sensitive, or people are overly sensitive and therefore defensive and easily offended when you talk about monies because you start messing with, with their security blanket. You, you start talking about money, people view that as you, you're messing with the thing that, that gives me comfort. You're messing with the thing that makes me feel secure. You're messing with the thing that, that, that I put my confidence in, that I put my trust in. And so you, you start coming after my money I hope your silence is a good thing and you're not asleep. Amen? Amen? All right, I'm not going to look at anybody. I'm just going to keep my head down here for just a minute, okay? But those of you who, who get so interested in your, um, I don't know, Candy Crush game or whatever during service, and I, yeah, I know you, I see you. I'm not ever going to embarrass you. I'm just saying, this might be the one time you want to put some of that down and listen. Amen? <clears throat> Trying to help you. You see this man up here? I'm try- I am so trying to help you. When I look, when I look back over my life, I, I, I mean, I sound like, Lord, how, how in the world did I get from where I was to where I am now? Financially. The heart of a pastor, though, listen to me now. The heart of a pastor is, I, if, if everybody can't come along with us, then it, it doesn't mean nearly as much to me. It's not, it's, not an, it's not enough just for me to have my needs met. It's not enough for me to, to, to have a nice home and a nice car and, 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 um, and then everybody else not have. Okay? Now, here is... There, all of these are important, okay? But how we manage our money is a good indication of how much influence the world has on our thinking. And that, that's, that's, I think, all of, again, all of these are important. But remember, a better life begins with better thinking. And I feel compelled to say this every time because somebody said one time, no, no, Pastor Mark, a better life begins with Jesus unless you think Jesus was a fraud. Right, so a better life begins with better thinking. Even, do you realize how many born-again people have wrong thinking about God? Just how many people will be in heaven one day, but they have wrong thinking about a whole lot of areas and issues in their lives? Okay, so that's just a, I know a simple blanket statement. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I mean, I've got all kind of verses that, that intertwine in that. Your life being transformed as a born-again believer is directly related to your mind being renewed. And so how we manage our money is a, again, why are we so sensitive about this? Because money measures things we don't like having measured. And one of the, I think, most important things that money measures or indicates is how much influence the world has on our thinking. We, we, we said last week that in the Garden of Eden, the whole mess began with Adam and Eve choosing to do it their way instead of God's. We got God's way and we got man's way. And we talk about how much the world has influenced our thinking. What we're saying here is how much we think like the world, how much we, we, we view finances and financial managements and economic things, how much we look at those things and, and uh, do things the world's way versus doing them God's way. Now, thankfully, God has much to say about money. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by saying I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very bold and I'm going to be very straightforward with you, okay? In the Word of God, thus saith the Word of the living God, He has much to say about money and He has a whole lot to say about how to have as much money as you need and want. Again, that may sound like somebody on a late night infomercial trying to sell you something, but I'm talking about the Word of God. 
He tells you how to handle money, how to manage money, what to do with money. He tells you how to get money. He tells you how to get the money you need. And he tells you to have as much of it as you want. The ways of God. The ways of God. Okay? Say, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure about this. Well, was it 2 Corinthians 9? If you give sparingly, you will harvest sparingly. But if you give bountifully, you will harvest or reap bountifully. And he's talking about money. He's talking about planting money and receiving money. More, on, more to come on that. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, I have quite a few verses uh, in my notes already. And there's plenty more where those came from in the Word of God. They're raring and ready to go. But the Lord directed me to step back and do some foundation work first. Um, in, in, in my uh, you know, construction days, I got to come in towards the end of a construction project and install cabinets and millwork and custom-built furniture pieces and things of that nature. And, and that, I, I just really thoroughly enjoyed that. I mean, one of the big reasons, of course, the church growing and all that is I sold my cabinet business. But another reason I sold my cabinet business is the business had gotten so large that I wasn't doing anymore what I enjoyed doing, which was building cabinets. Um, I was overseeing a whole bunch of people who were building and installing cabinets um, for us. And um, so it's that hands-on part. And, um, you know, the foundation of, of any building is, you know, one of the most important parts of the building but when's the last time you've ridden past a beautiful home and said, man, look at that foundation? We don't, you know, we talk about the color of it, the size of it, the roof line of it, the, the, um, the landscaping, you know, the front porch, the whatever, you know, the, the, the double garages, the, you know, all, of the, all those other things. But rarely, if ever, unless you're a, a mason or, <laughs> you know, somebody who does foundation work, we don't even probably, probably pay attention to that. And so it's almost like, Lord, are you really? Now, let's, let's at least do some of this first, and we'll come back to that. But, but how many of you know Father knows best? All right, so let's go. We're going to do some foundation work this morning. we got a few more minutes. Can you, can you stay with me a few more? Yeah? Yes? Boy, that wasn't very bold there. Okay, all right. Let's go to Luke 8, 18. Not, not going to find... Um, uh, Luke 18, let's just go here. And Luke 8 and 18. I'll put it on the screen. He says this, therefore, take heed how you hear. If you underline, highlight things in your Bible, that word how, H-O-W, is extremely important. He goes on to say, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Now, we could, we could take um, the, the context of this verse and, and teach on it for weeks. Because Jesus has a lot to say here about a lot of things, money among them. All right? But that's not why we're going to this verse, at least not this trip. Okay? It's that first phrase, take heed how you hear. Jesus had much to say about the content we listen to. That would be what you hear. That would be what you listen to. So when he says... Take heed, be aware, pay attention, and, and respond accordingly to not what you hear, but how you hear. So let's dig into this a little bit, because how you hear has to do with you as an individual. Have you ever, and I, I, I have, have you ever heard something the wrong way and gotten angry or offended even at someone, but how you heard it was not how they intended. I'm sure I'm the only one or maybe somebody else in the room knows somebody. Okay, This is how you hear, how you hear things, not what you hear, but how you hear it. You can hear a compliment as somebody taking a shot at you. Not to keep picking on Daniel, but I, I think the shirt looks nice, you know. 
But he may have been offended at Matt saying his mama dressed him this morning. You know what I'm saying? He says she dressed me too. Amen. All right. So now Vanessa's the one who could potentially be offended. No, I'm just, see, again, it's, 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 um, it's how you hear it. Okay? So let me see if I can zero in on some of this. The filter of your understanding determines how you hear and receive things spoken to you. The filter of your understanding. How you understand something to be, how you understand something to work, determines how you hear what's being spoken to you about that thing. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He said, when I was a child... So notice now, he's talking about when he was in the condition of a child that he spoke as a child. He spoke as a child, why? Because he understood as a child. And he understood as a child, why? Because he uh, thought as a child. He, He goes on to say, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So think of thoughts, your thoughts on certain subjects as being the raw materials that eventually your understanding is formed from. Your understanding solidifies from your most abundant and dominant thoughts. So it takes us a while to come to this, we we could say our perspective, our understanding, how we look at it, how we see it. This is our understanding. This is our perspective. And then notice, we speak from that perspective. And, And are we really to believe that we can think, understand, and speak one way and behave some way opposite to that no however you think understand and speak is how you're going to live so the only way to change the way you live is to change the way you speak but the only way to truly change the way you speak is to change how you understand the only way to change how you understand is to truly change how you think seems like i heard somebody say a better life begins with better thinking Are are you seeing how this works now We have been indoctrinated into, let's go back though. But notice Paul spoke of a shift. Okay, let's get this part, then we'll go to this next one. So Paul spoke of a shift. He shifted from child to man, from immature to mature. Now he's not thinking like someone who's immature. He's not understanding, processing information, the world around him, what he's hearing and receiving as someone who's immature. Nor is he speaking like someone who's immature. Nor is he he any longer living like someone who's immature. He became a man. What does it mean to become a man? It means to think like a man. Think like someone who's mature. Understand like someone who's mature. Speak like someone who's mature. And then ultimately live like someone who's mature. Just trying to mimic what mature people do is not maturity. And, and it's something that can't be sustained, right? It's like, okay, there's a mature brother, so I'm going to do what that mature brother does, so I'll be mature. Well, I mean, I understand there is some element to that, but just because you did three things in one day that were mature doesn't make you mature. Because it's all those other things, foundational things, right? So the understanding, the message from Jesus was take heed how you hear. So how you hear, again, is the filter of your under, the filter of your understanding, and it determines how you hear and receive the things that are spoken to you. So let's go to it now. We have been indoctrinated into a buying and selling economy. I'm trying to help you understand what has formed and shaped with, within you the, the way you understand things, all things for that matter, financial, okay? We've been indoctrinated into a buying and selling economy. When we think of getting money, And getting more money, we think buying and selling. So much so that buying and selling is how we hear. Please, please, please help us, Jesus. Buying and selling is how we hear. I'm not trying to condemn you for it. I'm trying to make you aware of it. I'm trying, Lord, help me be more aware of it. Anytime money is talked about, so giving and receiving, that's talking about money, right? Anytime money is talked about, we, we understand it from a buying and selling perspective. We, this, this, is, this is what we know about money. This is what we know about getting money. This is what we know about getting more money. It, 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 it's all based upon this, this concept, this ideology, this philosophy of buying and selling. And so we, we then we, we look at something that we want and we start doing the calculations in our head of what we've got to uh, sell, 
You say, well, I, you know, I don't know about... No, see, in other words, you say, well, th- this will cost me X number of dollars, okay? And so let's say it costs you $500, and let's say you make uh, $500 a week, but you have other obligations, and you start thinking, okay, I make $500 a week, so I put $50 uh, a, a month aside, it'll take me 10 months to get the $500. It's, we, we, it's everything, act, acquiring things, uh, having things, having nicer things, having newer things, because money, money's how we get things in a buying and selling economy. So we think in terms of what we've got to sell to a buyer. Your time, we sell our time by the hour, by the salary. That's buying and selling, right? And so this is how we understand it. And so anything that has to do with money, we automatically shift into that mode of thinking. So this is what we mean by it's how we hear. So we must shift from a buying and selling ear to a sowing and reaping ear to accurately hear and do what God says about financial stability, financial increase, financial prosperity, and financial abundance. Trying to hear and apply giving and receiving with a buying and selling ear leads to confusion, error, and at best, limited results. God's economy is not a buying and selling economy. Can I, this isn't good English, but can I just, can I just give, you, give it to you how it's in my heart right now to give it to you? God don't do buying and selling. It's not, it's, that's, not, that's not the ways, buying and selling are not the ways of God. Are you with me? Now part of me says I need to, I need to spend some time talking about buying and selling maybe, maybe in, in a deeper way. You know, if you've ever had a yard sale because you want to go on a cruise, you wanted the cruise, how do we get to the cruise? The cruise sounds good. Cruises cost money. We don't have the money right now to go on a cruise. How can we get to that cruise? Let's see what we can sell. Stuff that's just taking up space in our house that we don't really use anyway. We can pass it off to our neighbors. They can put it in their garage and they won't use it either. But they'll pay less for it than we did and they'll feel better about it. And so we'll sell it. We could get a part-time job. We could work evenings. We could deliver pizzas. I'm, listen, I've done all this. Don't, I, if you, I'm not making light of that. The Bible has a lot to say about people who work. But you know what the Bible says about Getting a job and working? Getting a job and working so you have something to give. You ready for this? You don't have enough hours left in your life or enough things in your house right now to sell to acquire all the things that God wants you to have. He's wanting to take you somewhere you can't get to by yourself. Anybody remember that? He's wanting you to live on a level that you can't get to without him. Well, I'll just, I'll just go get me a, a doctor's degree. I'll become Doctors make good money, Pastor. Yeah, they do. But God's got better for you than doctors pay. Got better for you than that. Well, see, the thing about the blessing of the Lord, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord in your life, it'll make you rich without any sorrow added to it. I'm not making this up. I'm talking about what God said about these things. Trying to hear and apply giving and receiving with a buying and selling ear leads to confusion. Error and, at best, limited results. God's economy is not a buying and selling economy. It's a sowing and reaping economy. Sowing and reaping does not work anything like buying and selling. Trying to understand God's ways of sowing and reaping with the mindset of buying and selling, again, it'll never make sense to you. This is why, back to where we ended last week that I thought we would begin this week, this is why... 
the lie that you should never give to receive is a lie. Well, you shouldn't give to receive, says buying and selling. Because everything associated with buying and selling has something called a debt attached to it. You cannot separate a buying and selling economy from the concept of debt, from, from owe, from owing. And this is, see, this is what people, do. oh, sweet Jesus. I, see, <clears throat> quit trying to put God in your debt. Our buying and selling mindset factors into the lie we don't give to receive. Sometimes you mean, you mean we do? Does a farmer plant seed to get more of whatever he planted in return? So we got we we've tried to learn these things from our neighbors, from from our from the generations who came before us. We haven't learned them from God. And if you want to learn it from God, learn it from a farmer. Here, here's one of the things the Lord showed me right here, okay? A lot of people in this world who have abundance, they give, they give because they're trying to purchase feeling better about themselves. They're giving because after all, you know, they have a sense of guilt. I have, I have so much and others have so little. And so I, <clears throat> listen to the word very carefully, I owe it to them. I owe it to the universe. I owe it to, again, it's not about owing. It's not about owing. That's a buying and selling mindset. Thank you, Jesus. Man, there's so much here. Stand with me. Praise God. I'm aware it's almost 12, 10 to 12. Are you getting anything out of this? I know I got you standing. I, you will hear these again. I'm just, I got to go through it real quick, okay? Just, I'm going to just kind of give you a quick overview. You see, a buying and selling mindset cannot avoid the concept of purchasing purchasing you don't see so remember in the scriptures where the guy tried to purchase the gift of laying his hands on people for them to receive the holy spirit and you may look at that and think well that was an overreaction on paul's part no it wasn't i mean basically called him a son of the devil and your money purchase your money die with you these are holy things don't you dare think they can be bought do you ask how many people think holy things can be bought with filthy lucre, with money? But see, again, we, we so indoctrinated into this purchase concept of things is, is, is so that we're trying to figure out how to, well, how about this? A buying and selling mindset cannot avoid the concept of earning. Earning. This is where people come in, I'm not worthy, and until they think they are, then they deserve it. God owes them. A buying and selling mindset cannot avoid the concept of cost. And from there we get, of course, the concept of affordability. A buying and selling mindset associates cost and purchase with every dollar that leaves our hand. See, a buying and selling mindset, if you put $20 in an envelope and give it to your nephew for his birthday... We look at that as it cost me something. Maybe he'll get some good out of it, but that's money gone from me. I can't do anything with it. That's called opportunity cost. We'll get into it just at a later date. I can't, a buying and selling mindset cannot avoid the concept of limited supply. This is another one right here. See, we think if we get a new car, it means somebody else is going to have to ride the bus. No, that's buying and selling. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, 
you can sow a car and it become multiple cars. A buying and selling mindset cannot avoid the concept of debt. A buying and selling mindset tries to counterfeit sowing and reaping with saving and investing. We're going to talk about that one. See, if you paid for years into a retirement and now you're receiving, you're receiving what you're owed. Right? I gave these people my money every paycheck for 30 years. Now they owe me. See, that's not, that's not get. But see, we, we, we tell ourselves saving and investing is, is sowing and reaping. It's not. Jesus encouraged saving. I'm a saver. He, I'm an investor. I'm not knocking those things. But don't think. That's the same. As, as a matter of fact, well, return on investment is not the same as harvest, according to Jesus. And watch this now. Last thing, and I'll pray, unless there's two more last things. I'm, I'm, amen. I told you last week I got a lot on this. The Lord's been speaking to me some time about it. Okay. Giving. If you're listening, I'm doing like the little dittos here, like you heard the inflection in my voice. Giving in fear. Jesus didn't call that planting. He called that burying. Right? The servant who was given a talent. Jesus said the least you could have done is invested it. So am I, am I a saver and an investor? Yes, but according to Jesus, that is the lowest, the least of return. That Compared to sowing and reaping, saving and investing. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to buy a piece of Coca-Cola today and hope 30 years from now it'll be worth, worth more so we can sell it for more. Buying and selling is just long game. We do not live in a buying and selling kingdom. We live in a sowing and reaping kingdom. We've got to hear these things. You see why the Lord wanted me to go here first? He's such a genius. He's so brilliant. This is what he told me. He said, you can teach them everything I have to say about it, but if they hear it with a buying and selling ear, it's not going to make any sense to them. That's why people are, one of the reasons people are offended by this. Tell somebody, yes, you, God's ways are give so you can receive. They become so offended at that. But see, again, because they're hearing it from a buying and, with a buying and selling ear. You shouldn't give to put somebody else in your debt. It's not about debt. That's buying and selling. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? See? And by the way, should you ever choose to quote that? Remember who you're quoting. That's Judas. Can I tell you how rich Jesus was? He had a thief keeping the money bag. Can I tell you how rich Jesus is? When Judas got up to go betray him after Jesus whispering to him, everybody in the room assumed that Jesus was just sending him out one more time to go pay somebody's power bill. Do you realize how many times supper had to be interrupted to go pay something for somebody for that to just become the assumption when Judas got up and left that that's where he was going? Anybody hungry? Praise God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you, Jesus. We're a part of something big, y'all. Part of something so big. Father, as we stand before you this morning, we acknowledge that your will for us is abundance. Matter of fact, Jesus, you said that you came. You came so that we might have life and that we might have it in overflowing abundance. The life and nature of God. 
which ties directly into the ways of God, doing life your way, Father. That's what we want to do, every part of our lives. Father, I thank you for a shift that's taking place among us now, that we are shifting away from a buying and selling ear, and we are shifting over to a sowing and reaping ear. And that everything we hear studying this subject moving forward, we will hear with a sowing and reaping ear, not a buying and selling one. And the moment we start becoming confused about it and it starts not sounding right to us, Lord, that'll be a surefire red flag that we're trying to hear it with a buying and selling ear instead of a sowing and reaping one. Thank you, Father, for this indescribable gift, this opportunity that's before us to actually take from the resources you gave us, Lord. <laughs> just nothing that we have that you didn't give us, Lord, that we didn't receive from you according to Jesus. But yet you say, okay, this, everything you've got that, that's good, it came from me, and now I'll let you give me some of it back so I can give you even more. Lord, what a, what a gift. And it's so simple but it's a lack of trust that makes it seem hard, Lord. Father, one of those things that a buying and selling economy, Lord, is I didn't get to it this morning, but you can't, you can't separate it from the concept of risk. It's always risk associated with financial things, Lord. From the money being stolen to it being a bad investment, Lord, all these things. But Father, there's... There is no concept of risk in your sowing and reaping economy because if we do it your way, your thing, your way, the least we can do is 30 times. 60-fold, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold return. Nope, forgive me, Lord, that's buying and selling. A 30, 60, 100-fold harvest on the seed that's sown. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for hanging around a few extra minutes. I pray that you're getting something good out of this. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.